One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. And it's funny because I there's one blip at the end of the movie that I am in, and as a result of that, I still get um, residuals. And every time I open up my residual check, I'm like, oh, be damned. Like, I didn't have to get my money back, and they're still paying me for a movie I essentially got cut out of, you know? Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of Collider Ladies Night. I am so excited to be sitting with Michelle Monaghan. How are you doing? <laughs> I am really well. We Thank were you. just revisiting our, our past interview <laughs> journeys at Dave and Buster's. Everyone knows how much I love like games and stuff yeah. like that. So that junket made my day. And also, okay. I, I just I haven't thought about the movie Gus in forever. Yes. And you know that time when we spoke, I was sitting there with like I think like a little. I flip love camera. that movie, by the way. She's a lunatic, and that baby's gonna be a lunatic. I just don't understand why she has to live here. That's just while she's pregnant. She's all alone. (laughs) I don't want her in the house anymore. Listening to you guys argue really makes me question whether or not you can handle raising this kid. I'm sorry. You're giving your baby to them? Are you out of your mind? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I really loved that yeah. that year, and I was surprised how much it really stuck with me. Because you yeah. know when you go to those festivals, you see a million different things. Exactly, exactly. Now, that was um, a really great experience. You know, Jesse McCormick wrote that, uh, and it was one of the first times I'd 
that I'd worked with another female uh, on screen that I had such great chemistry with. And the first of being really um, probably Malin Ackerman in The Heartbreak mm-hmm. Kid, who ended up becoming one of my very best friends, who I love and adore. Uh, but Rada Mitchell, I, I got to work with her in this movie, Gus, and we just had the best time together. And I forgot. I was like, oh, wow, chicks can actually have chemistry because you're always hearing about, oh, they have great chemistry. Or they, you know, and it's always, it's always between a man and a woman. Yeah. And there's nothing sexual about it, but it's just the idea that they have, like, a very nice, you know, they, they connecting as actors creatively and um, but anyway, so I, that I, it was. I was just thinking about that movie yesterday. So it's weird That's so that you're funny. Bring, yeah, it's weird that you're bringing it up. I also think about the Heartbreak Kid all the time. Oh, you do. <laughs> I think that was a really fun. I movie. think it's such an underrated comedy. I, I agree. feel like no one gives it. A, and like Mullen is so she funny in that movie. She is brilliant. I can't in that get enough movie. of it. It's she's so brilliant. You know, a funny story about that. And I'm sure she and I have talked about it. But I initially had gone in to read for her role. And and then I the audition went really well. And then I think they called me up and they were like, there's an actress that came in for it. They really like her for the role. Would you be open to doing the other role? And I liked, I liked the role of, is it Miranda? Yeah, Miranda. Yeah, and I liked the role of Miranda a lot, ton, you know, whatever. And uh, so that's the story behind that. It was, you know... It's funny how things work out, and then um, from the moment that we that we met, we clicked, and we've just been fast friends ever since. So. Over the years, because I know this happens with some folks out there, do you find that you and Malin are up for similar roles, or is there anyone out I, there that you find that happening with? I don't think she and I are up for similar roles. I feel like she, she and I have different career paths, or we do things at different times. Um, what is something – I remember one – Move uh, the broke broke back mountain. I remember going in for that, and I really, really. I think Michelle Williams ended up getting in the role, but I think I remember having read that, and I was shooting North Country at the time, and it was one of those things that like I had a day off and I had a chance to go in for broke back mountain. But I think that's what I can remember. I can't remember if I'm always up against like certain people. I actually make it a rule of thumb to I never want to know. I don't. I don't ever ask. I don't ever want to know. Um, who else I'm up against because anytime I walk into the room I'm just really honestly up against myself so you really are though I mean I I honestly think that's a really healthy approach Um, I hate I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as women in this industry it's already hard enough I think we uh, inevitably um, get pitted against each other anyway so I think if anything that we can do to actively control that um, I think we should do, and I've always tried to do that, and um, and I think it allows me to go in more relaxed and just thinking I'm the only one walking into the room. Oh, I can know? imagine. It yeah. sounds like the much better approach. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. one of the cool things about your career is you've done a little of everything. You've yeah. been in every type of movie, every genre. Yeah. I'm curious, when you were first starting out, like when you had that dream of making it in Hollywood, yeah. what career path did you picture for yourself? Were you thinking, I'm going to be an action hero or a You, you know what, actress. I've never had one, and, I've, and I still don't have one. I, I think because I didn't actually really have this dream, this really clear dream of being an actor. I never set out to really do it. I studied journalism in college. I really wanted to be a journalist, much like yourself. Um, And it wasn't until um, I was modeling, that's kind of how I got myself through school. I started doing commercials. They were paying the bills. 
I got an audition for um, this show called The Young Americans, and I didn't have an agent. And then so I was like, oh, well, I should get an agent because I've got this job, you know. And then one thing led to another, and then I thought, oh, maybe this is what I'm meant to do. And then, you know, you don't have, you know, the pick of the litter when you're starting out, really. I mean, you just, you have to work hard and persevere. And for me, it was just, a, I think, more about proving to myself that this is what I wanted to do or what, or what I was meant to do. And I think it was really only when I really felt like there were people in the industry that I was working with that were really giving me a lot of um, encouragement and a lot of um, support um, I think it was like a, a, I had done a small role in Unfaithful, but I remember Richard Gere being um, just so incredibly supportive during that shoot and was like giving me thumbs up in between takes. And I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I mean, that's amazing. Like, maybe I should do this. Like, Richard Gere just doesn't have to give me a thumbs up. <laughs> you know, so it was like things like that. And then it was like, you know, I had an agent said, well, let's just try. She's still with, I'm still with her today. Her name is Bonnie. And I think it was, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was probably my biggest, like, was my big break when I really reflect upon it. Harry Lockhart, are you going to recognize me or what? God, Embry, Indiana. (laughs) Love snakes, afraid of spiders. Come on, remember you were amazing... No, no, no. Harold the Great. You got me that. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Um, You know, I'd done a show, actually, uh, called Boston Public. And I remember I'd gone in for a role. I didn't get it. But the creator wrote an arc for me on that show. And that was the first time that I had worked with multiple directors. And I remember, you know, J.J. Abrams had... uh, it was he, you know, a, a people that I'd, I've worked with since then and stuff, um, you know, I started out with there, basically. And they were all giving me, you know, I never studied acting. So I learned on every single job. So for me, I don't think I actually had the liberty or the time to be like, oh, I want my career to be like this. I've always wanted my my career to, to well, first of all, to be fun, right? Okay. Um but I've I I didn't grow up watching movies either. Okay, this I'm giving you a really long answer. <gasps> no, I, I, I but all it's I like, do is I keep racking up follow up questions, and I guarantee you I maybe remember one. Oh, of them. okay, that's okay, good. <laughs> but it's sort of one of those things where I'm like, it, you don't know it until it hits you, right? So you know, it was that that shit Boston Public it was wow, that was really great. There was drama, and then I had the opportunity to do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I was like, oh, I can be a little funny, you know? I was like, oh, well, that's great, and then that led to north country or heartbreak kid and so as long as i'm continually kind of striving to do different things with different people um and you know really exploring all the genres big and small i can't tell you what i'm going to do tomorrow you know what i mean it'll just be i'll follow my gut instinct you're definitely doing just that okay yeah exactly so wait so you you grew up not watching many movies what was the movie that changed that for you oh my gosh i would say um julia roberts dolly parton steel magnolias thank you I should have known I was supposed to be an actress then because my cousins, I have so many female cousins, every family get-together, 
You know, one of us would be Sally Field, one of us would be Julia Roberts, one of us would be Daryl Hannah, you know, Olympia Dukakis, all of them. And we'd play that that cemetery scene like, you know, I, you know, I won't do it, but I want to. And sometimes I still do. Shelby was right. This is a brown football. Oh, honey, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But that was, that movie still to this day, I, it was so ahead of its time. There was such star power and like profound, like powerful women in that, in that film. And it was heartfelt and it was, there was a camaraderie and there was a sisterhood. Um, should we remake it? I don't know. Maybe. I'm so sensitive <laughs> I know. about that question. It's yeah. hard not to want more of yeah. what you love, but I'm always like, yeah. so precious. Don't touch yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's probably going to be announced tomorrow because it's out there in the universe now. <laughs> but, you know, that was that was one of those things. And then I, you know, I did plays in high school, um, mostly because I didn't do sports. I wasn't athletic. Uh, and I loved that. But, you know, I grew up in a town of 700 people, so you don't, like... You're very, I think you're limited maybe in the dreams that you somehow have. If you don't feel like that that's just like a, it just didn't feel like a reality to me. So how do you go from a small town to that first opportunity? Were you still living in that small town when you got that offer, the offer to audition for that show? No, I was living in, I was living in New York, but I had, I'd okay. gone to Chicago to uh, model, or t- to go to college and in order to put myself through college to study journalism, I did uh, catalog modeling. So I worked for Target and Montgomery Wards, and I and I did all of all of the above. And I would work during the day, and then I'd take night classes at night. And I traveled, you know, during my semesters off. I modeled abroad and did all of that. And then I realized in my senior year, I was like, I don't want to be in. I don't want to be a journalist. I realized I was going to have to be a one man band, go back to places like Iowa. And I'm like, no, man, I just got out of there. Uh, I like the city. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and move to New York. I had a really overwhelming sense. Why New York? Because I could still model there. Okay. And because I really want, I'd always, I modeled a little bit throughout the years in New York, and I just, I loved that city. I loved the melting pot. I I always had a sense of, and I still feel it when I go back there, like it's that one city that I've been to that I've obviously spent a lot of time and lived there for 12 years, but like you can come from anywhere, like any background, any socioeconomic background, anywhere in the world, and you have as equal of a shot as anybody else to make it. And I came from Timbuktu, a town from a farm girl from like 700 people, and I and I felt like I could make it there if I worked hard. I really did, and I always saw that in all the people that I knew because I had such a wide range of friends there that came from all over the world that I felt like I could live whatever potential I decided I wanted to be, and. Um, as I was modeling, I started doing commercials. I had good luck. I started doing, like, I did a Tampax commercial, a secret deodorant commercial, you know, and then the the audition came by, and I got it, and then I got my agent, and then that was it, so. Speaking to my New York love and heart right now. Yeah. it's always, like, New York or L.A., so when I was reading up that you had gone the New York route, yeah. I, was, I was pleasantly surprised yeah, by that. Yeah, and I think I was, I think it was good. I actually encourage people who are just starting out. I know a few young actors who are doing really well that are like, I don't know if I should move to L.A. I really like it in New York. I'm like... 
stay in New York. Like, I think, like, as you're kind of honing your skill, I think there's something nice about, you know, being in the industry but not being at such a young age, too, um, having to have the industry be around you 100% of the time. Like, I think there's there's so there's so much to learn in New York, to be honest, that I think just that kind of exposure to everyday life and uh, people there serves you probably better as an actor starting out than, you know, maybe being in the industry. That makes me so happy. I love the sound of that. Speaking of maybe young actors out there, one thing I think is always beneficial for someone else to hear is how someone in your position kind of gets over a bump in the road. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I was reading about is, what was it, like 2005, you had a couple movies where where you were cut out of the movie. So I'm curious at that point in your career like how how do you deal with some how do you first react and then get over something you know honestly the first reaction because I had was new to the industry and it it was true I was in a movie called Constantine uh with Keanu Reeves and had a pretty significant role uh and then I they call it was like Francis Lawrence actually called he was a gentleman he wrote me a letter he called they felt terrible they just had to remove the storyline for whatever reason um, but for me, I, I honestly, the first, my first reaction was, do I have to pay them back? Like, I actually thought oh. I had to pay them back. Like, I had to, they're cutting you out of the movie. I thought I was going to be responsible for getting, oh my God. getting the money. And I was like, I was like, didn't have any money. I was, you know, and I was like, do I have to, like, I was like, because I don't have the money. And it's funny because I, there's one blip at the end of the movie that I am in. And as a result of that, I still get... Um, residuals, and every time I like, open up my residual check, I'm like, "Oh, be damn!" Like I didn't have to get my money back, and they're still paying me for a movie I essentially got cut out of. You know. I think the first thing that you have to realize, and secondly, I got cut out of another movie um, called Syriana. Um, but the great news about that was is that I ended up getting a handwritten note from George Clooney. So now I've got that in my back pocket. But it was another thing about storyline, and I mentioned both of them because I think it's really important to understand. You have to take your ego out of it and really understand that if you're getting cut out of something – I can probably more times, more often than not, it's a result of just too much storyline, too much narrative, too much content. It's not necessarily a reflection of the performance that you gave. So I think that's the first thing to always remember. It's like, you know, you're going to get cut, you know, scenes get cut down all the time. I'm, I shoot tons and I think even Messiah or, or, or other projects, you know, there are certain scenes that ultimately just have to go mm-hmm. for time purposes. So I think if you can just realize like that's just a rite of passage, um, getting cut out of something, it's at least you got that something. And that's another rite of passage. Do you know what I mean? And so it's always you got to kind of like stop and get past the knee jerk reaction. And then, yeah, there is that moment where it's like, oh, my God, I told everybody it was going to be in a movie. And and then all of a sudden, like you're not in that movie and you're like, oh, God, that sucks, you know. Um, but, but look at you now. You got your note and you got well, your residual yeah, checks. And I'll tell you what. The the audition that I had had for Constantine um, was a really good audition. And that tape made it into the hands of J.J. Abrams. And as a result of that, that that huh. got me the role in MI, 
and MI3. It was meant so to be. Got, it, it meant, it got, yeah, he was oh, like, I you know, somebody said, Francis sent me your audition tape, I saw it. It was like a really fresh voice, I never saw you. I had you, you know, and I, I went through, you know, I auditioned with um, the casting director, and, you know, Tom and I did a, an audition as well, and, you know, I got the role. So everything happens for a reason. You know, I got to keep reminding myself that all the time, and it's worth it. Yes, it is. Do you remember the very first role you were flat out offered and kind of what that felt like? Oh, gosh. Okay, wow. Just flat out didn't have yeah. to audition or anything? The first time that happened. Okay, that's a really – that's a great question. And I can tell you without even knowing what it was, it felt great. <laughs> but I will say – let me see. So let me see. North Country audition for uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, Oh, no, I auditioned. I was going to say Maid of Honor, but I auditioned for that as well. It's um, maybe maybe Source Code? Maybe Ooh. somewhere around... Oh, Eagle Eye. Rachel Holloman, look in the window. Would you risk your life for your son? Who are you? There's a car parked at the corner of this block. The keys are in the ignition. Start walking. Okay. Yeah, I think Eagle Eye might have been the first... The first one that feels about right. I actually. vividly remember seeing that movie yeah. in the IMAX theater in the Lincoln yeah. uh, Center theater. In yeah, New York. I would say I would say that. But there's something that I have to say about that because um, about getting a role that you haven't auditioned for. I really, as sort of nerve wracking the audition process can be, I actually really embrace it and. Because it's an opportunity to prove to myself that I am right for the role. So I like the idea of going in and reading and collaborating with the director, the writer, whoever, the casting director. And then if you get the job, you're like, wow, my instincts were right. Okay, that's great. That's a great. I'm going to keep going on that, you know, that path. And then, you know, every day I get to work like that. Um, and that's a real privilege of knowing when you rock up on the first day, you're like, okay, they really do want me here. Whereas if you're offered jobs now, and fortunately now I've, I'm in that position, uh, which is great, but there is always that element of me, like I've done all that prep work, typically for the most part on my own and still collaborating with the director or writer, but they haven't actually seen my work uh, or my interpretation until we're in front of the camera. So there's that element of like, maybe they won't, maybe they're, maybe what their idea is different than what my idea is. So I like going in and kind of earning. I don't mind auditioning and kind of earning that. I like that take on it because it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Has totally. it, the roles that you've sought out for yourself changed over the years? And why Messiah right now? Um, I don't think the roles have sought out. I think that, that the the roles that have sought me out are maybe different. I, I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I'm guess I'm always looking for... I, there is an element of, of – I like strong women, obviously. I mean, I'm surrounded by them, you know. I really veer – I, like, hate to use the word flawed women anymore because I think, like, um, we're just human and we don't refer to men as being flawed on camera. You're like, oh, wow, you play a really flawed man. You're like, no, they just play a human being, like a man. And, like, a woman, like, if she's doing things that are, you know – I don't know, questionable. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. But, Simple human <laughs> but, So, yeah, exactly. We're very common. Exactly. So I guess there's that element of that. Like, I just really feel like I like to play people that are relatable people that are, you know, I'm talking about specifically drama here, obviously. Um, 
not that women in comedy aren't relatable either, but I think you get the picture. Um, so it's an element. I never really know what it what it's going to be or how a character is going to find me. And you know, it's also you know I'm I'm very aware that like the stars align in which you know a particular project gets dropped in your lap. You know, I just recently worked with. Um, Zoe Lister-Jones, oh, you know. I'm not going to be able to hold back from talking yeah, about that. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and we'll get there. But, like, just for that, you know, it's like, I, if you would have told me a year ago, like, you're going to do a remake of The Craft, I would have been like, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to navigate, like, say, you know, look at a crystal ball and tell you what I'm going to do. But, like, here is Zoe Lister-Jones, who I respect immensely. I think she's got a really strong voice right now in the industry. Um, she reimagined it and it was like I read it and I was like oh well yes I'm absolutely doing a remake of The Craft and it's funny when I say that to some people people are like okay you know you're doing a remake but she's brilliant it's, it's super contemporary and timely and she's been very smart about it and so I'm excited so in terms of Messiah I'll answer your question now because I went off on you a tangent I do, I do that <laughs> I think for me you know I had just come off the path uh, I wasn't anticipating going back to work that early, and uh, but I was open to reading it. I, I know James McTeague, one of our directors, and Michael Petroni sent me all ten episodes, and you know I read them within you know a day, half a day. I mean it was just just such a great page turner, and I think. It, by the time I finished it, I, I think the first thing I did was, like, I called my husband and I was like, so that time that I said I was going to take off, I don't think it's happening, <laughs> you know, that, that thing that was just sent to me, it's so good. And I think what struck me about it was just the global scope of it. And that really excited me because I had never been involved in a project that I thought thought could potentially reach so many people in such a productive way, in a really thoughtful way, in a provocative way, and that the series, in terms of what it ta- what it deals with and talks about and your belief systems and what you project and you reflect upon the world, um, inhabited so many different points of view and, and cultures and perspectives and it wasn't just a specific western point of view there's a sense of like pride that i have with that i'm like that's really that's an important show to make you know and and to have the home be netflix where it's in 190 countries um was really exciting and and on top of all of the characters you know which i've responded to um you know i loved this role that michael created of this woman who felt like a very real woman who has this really uh, uncompromising um, professional life. And yet she lives a very insular existence and is suffering quietly. And I was really excited about to get, you know, to, to peel back the onion on that and explore her. He's come out of nowhere and we don't know who he is. What do we know about him? He's leading desperate people. So this is a cult? We don't know who he's associated with. He could be creating an army. Or he could be leading them to their death. Format of the show. 
show is mm-hmm. so interesting too because it's it's all about like who is this guy and I love the yeah. fact that we don't really get anything from his perspective. Yes. It's just everybody around him, yeah. and it kind of so brilliant. You know, makes the audience play along in a yeah. sense too. Yeah, I mean, I think. That's what's so great. You you just nailed it. It's it feels very participatory as an as an as an audience. Like it forces you to look at yourself and your own life experience and your own belief system, and then you get to make the choice. And that's why I'm also really encouraging, because he doesn't call himself a divine entity or that or or a you know he doesn't call himself anything. He just exists to be there, and really whole is is it mirror to yourself, and. I encourage people to watch it with a group of people because it's not a singular viewing experience because you really want to dissect each episode as you watch it, I find. And I find that, you know, kind of the connective tissue, the show is that all the characters are searching, much like we all are, right? We're all looking for hope or the truth or salvation or actual freedom, you know, physical freedom is some of the characters in the show. And so you're going to connect with one of those characters, depending on where you are in the world. And you're going to go on that journey with them for, for 10 episodes. And that person's actions and the way that they perceive that you'll, your opinions and your perceptions of them will change as you go on that journey with them. So So watch it with a group. And then would you also recommend doing the binge watch or taking the time to watch one and sit with it? No, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think if you can watch a few, you know what I mean? And then, and then sit and then like literally have an honest conversation about it. Cause my husband and I watched it. He had no no idea what to expect. I didn't tell him anything about the show uh, for like a year. And he was like, Whoa, this is, this is unbelievable. And he had different takeaways than I did. And I had different takeaways even from when I had read it. So even as someone who knew what was going on, you know, getting to see the performances of my co-stars and seeing how powerful they are. They're so, they're all so incredible in the show. that It got me so excited. I was like, no, we need to sit down and talk about this. And, and about a week later, like, we were still talking about it after we benched it. So... It's a conversation starter. It I'm is. Not, I'm not even all the way through because I didn't dare walk in this room for this interview knowing the end because I don't want to yeah. spoil it. Yeah, exactly. That's true. But That's good. Good, good, good. It was very tempting to just yes. burn through all of them. Yes. I have to go back to the craft right now, especially yes. because we're talking for Collider Ladies Night yes. right now. And on that one, you get to work with a whole group of just like powerhouse ladies in yes. Hollywood. And it excites me so much. So can you describe the atmosphere on set and how that felt? Yeah. So, you know, it's a terrific group of young actresses. Um, you know, Zoe Listers-Jones, of course, um, her DP, who she always works with, we female produced. It was just a really, like, female production. And uh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was really just, it was, you know, it's the craft. So you know what it's about. And, they, you know, we had witches coming in and saging the place and doing seances and Ouija board and all that stuff, you know. And I'm a little bit that of that gal, you know, who likes all the. Well, I don't know if I believe in like it all, but there was definite. There was some witchiness going on, and it was so fabulous. Because when else are you going to get get away with doing that? It's like, I love that, kind and that of was stuff. work. You know, enough. it was work. So, um, and Zoe's just really smart. And uh, and it was just a great it was just a great time being on that set. Oh, I'm so excited. spooky, but also really like t- timely and relevant, you know, in terms <laughs> of what it's about. And 
and how she reimagined it. So I'm, and it's Blumhouse, and I've been wanting to work with Jason for a while now. So it was great to finally get to collaborate with him. He's a with favorite. Them. Yeah. So would you describe it as a remake or a reimagining? I would say a re- reimagining. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm digging that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm just a massive fan of that original, yeah. so I'm so excited. Yeah, and it's Kaylee's so one of my good. favorite, you know, up-and-comers out there. I won't oh, share I'm so here, excited. But, yeah. They told me I have the wrap-up sign going now. So really? We always like to, yeah, we like wow. to end. I know. That was that? so fast. That's what, And that's what happens when I write all these out, so, and then I don't look at them, and oh I'm like, no, God. I'm out of time, and I forgot so many of them. But uh, we do like to end with some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Just some, like, totally random things that we call collider random oh, questions, but they're fun. What are you watching on TV right now? The Crown. Okay. Oh, Olivia Coleman. Oh, Good geez. call right there. Oh. What's your favorite movie of 2019? Oh, gosh. Smart. <gasps> That's the right answer. Yeah. What role of yours would you like to revisit? <gasps> Oh, Harmony Faith Lane from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for sure. Oh my God! Yeah, there's a, there right needs now. to be a sequel there. Yeah, that would be a fun one. Do you have any pets? I do. I have an Angora bunny named Bubbles. Oh my God! <laughs> my heart's melting right now. Uh, last one for you. What is the most impulsive thing you've done recently? Oh gosh, impulsive thing that I've done recently. Uh, impulsive thing that I've done recently. I, I don't even know how to answer I have no idea how to answer that. I can't think of anything that I've done impulsive. Or what, what is your biggest oh, fear yeah, overcome no, impul- Christmas shopping. That's been impulsive. Like, because I'm just trying to get it done. So it's the the it's it's just buying. It's you know what I mean. It's just like oh, just get it done. Just get it. I feel it done. like that's an imp- a, a very appropriate impulsive oh, thing to I be know, doing. I know, but it's not it's not well year. thought out, and it's just not financially sound. So oh. it's not like it's not like you know what I mean. It's the yeah. holidays. Everyone appreciates it's, everything. Yeah, We're all yeah, celebrated. Yeah, Thank exactly. you so much for your time Thank today, you. everybody out there. That was too fast. Yeah, I know. Really, <laughs> have another half hour. <laughs> Messiah available on Netflix. First thing in uh, 2020, January first check it out again thank you for your time thank, thank you, you for watching this episode don't leave without liking and sharing it and we'll see you soon with more ladies it's that little chico pitbull mr 305 but it said mr worldwide and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast from negative to positive brought to you by my friends over at state farm i believe that to have success you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you you know the biggest risk you take is not taking one it's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect start to set any holiday vibe. The Home Bar makes over 30 cocktails, brews, ciders, and more, all at the push of a button. From cosmopolitans to old fashions, each pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. Insert the pod and let the Home Bar do the work. Go to drinkworks.com to order your Home Bar and see all available drinks. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc., used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. 
Because right now, when you order from Napa Online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.